Hello you and welcome to You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Today we are talking about Twister and we're talking about it with Nico Stratus. I'm Alex Steed, one of your hosts. I will soon be joined by my fabulous co-host, Sarah Marshall. Twister is, of course, a 1996 American epic disaster film directed by Jan DeBont from a screenplay by Michael Crichton and Anne-Marie Martin. It uh, stars an ensemble cast that includes Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Jamie Gertz, Carrie Elways, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Alan Ruck, Todd Field, and Jeremy Davies. As a group of amateur but spirited storm chasers trying to deploy a tornado research device during a severe outbreak in Oklahoma. I cannot wait to share our conversation with Nico Stratus, who is a freelance writer whose work has appeared in outlets like Spin, Bitch, Extra, Catapult, and more. Her work primarily focuses on culture, the 1990s, queer and trans topics, and as often as possible, where all of those ideas intersect. We love Nico. Nico's been on the show a couple of times. We love Nico Stratus, and this was a fantastic conversation about Twister. You are, you are in for good times. You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies is made possible with your support. Thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and Apple podcast subscriptions. In exchange for your support, you get a couple of dollars a month or whatever you're able to do, maybe a handful of dollars for the whole year. You get bonus episodes. We just did a whole bonus episode on Hannibal. We've got a conversation with Eve Lindley about And Just Like That coming up. I'm so excited. And we're just doing Hannibal properties and Carrie Bradshaw properties for the rest of the year. That's what's going on. Hopefully you're into it. You help make the show possible with your support. Again, you're the reason that creatives like us have jobs. And we really, really appreciate that. Thank you for making the show possible. And you know, I never do a call for reviews, but if you're feeling it and you want to give us a review and say, hey, five stars, love this show. Here are the things I love about the show. That really helps as far as I understand. So if you're able to do that, we really appreciate that too. Thank you for supporting the show. You, my friend, are good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think that's it for now. I think that's all you need to know going into this conversation about Twister with the great Nico Strata. So let's just get into it, shall we? Hello, Sarah Marshall. Howdy do, Alex Seed. I've never been more excited about an episode in my whole life. What are we doing, sir? We're talking about Jan de Bont's Twister. <laughs> the pride of 96 as people typically present it yeah Jan DeBont's <laughs> twister I love Jan DeBont he's a primarily a cinematographer but he directed six films in his career so far one was I think just a short film in Dutch then we have Speed which in my opinion is the iconic great action movie of the 90s and I love action movies I watched Cliffhanger the other night for fun. Speed also has Alan Ruck, right? Yeah. Another Alan Ruck. Oh, yeah. Classic. Great. Yeah. Alan Ruck is as our LA tourist. Someone was making good use of Alan Ruck between Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Succession. The period between Ruckessances. And I have always loved Alan Ruck. And I will also point <laughs> out Spin City. Spin City, exactly. He was a great supporting <laughs> cast member on Spin City. Oh, beautiful. Speed and Twister are two perfect 90s action movies, and it's interesting that they both came from the same person. And when you think about it, are also about a straight couple behaving well, sharing 
uh, a difficult task equitably, and they can't stop driving. <laughs> well, uh, we should introduce our wonderful guest, Nico Stratus, who is the reason that we are watching Twister today. Nico, tell us who you are and tell us why you brought us Twister. Hello, my little storm chasers. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm glad that uh, the Alan Ruckessons included the television series Spin City, starring Michael mm -hmm. J. Fox. Really, you know, like if you want peak rock, you're going right to Spin City. <laughs> <Yeah>. Smarmy <laughs> rock. Also, I like that he did a, a movie called Twister and a show called Spin City. Ooh, very nice. That, wow, good point. Both revolve around revolving. I'm impressed at your, Nico, I assume it's paining you physically to not say Michael J. Fox is Canadian. <laughs> I mean, like, the amount of denim that he wears in every Back to the Future, <laughs> he's, really rep he's really representing Canada, as we are known, which is, uh, first and foremost, purveyors of fine denims. Also, in the CGI of this movie, are you aware that one of those cows is a zebra from Jumanji that they painted up like a cow? <laughs> No, that's beautiful. Also, I'm just hearing from Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page I'm reading, <laughs> that Jan de Bont worked on Roar, the insane Tippy Hedren <gasps> movie. Whoa. Oh, that's fabulous. And that a, a lion quote trigger warning for lion injuries. <laughs> One, two, three, go. Lifted his scalp requiring 220 <laughs> stitches. And he was DP on Die Hard. Really? Um, I was going to ask how this movie fared in the uh, Does the Cow Die website, but I'm glad to, you know, Jan has many issues with wildlife, and uh, I understand why. The dog's okay, though, so. Yeah, the dog is okay. Dad's not, but dog's okay. <laughs> what is your relationship with this movie? I saw this movie, this movie came to the movie theater in the Yukon, which is how you knew it was big because we didn't get any, any old movie. If, if you got a movie in the Kwanlin cinema or the, the twin cinema, the two movie theaters we had in, in downtown Whitehorse in the mid 1990s, um, that are still the exact same theaters there now, never been upgraded, never brought new ones in. I saw this movie in the theater because on the trailer alone, like I had seen the trailer uh, and was just like, it just appealed to every part of me um, that wanted to see something extremely loud where a lot of stuff gets wrecked. And it had a bill in it. It had one of the bills. You know, if there's a bill, you go. Do you mean Paxton and Pullman or are there other ones? I mean, Murray, I suppose, but really pales yeah. in comparison to both Pullman and Paxton. But Paxton and Pullman were like, you're right. They were kings of the 90s summer movie. Yeah. If there's a bill, if the, look, a bill and a Helen Hunt? Yeah. Yeah, this year alone, 1996, Bill Pullman, Independence Day, Bill Paxton, Twister. Like, what a fucking summer for the bills. Yes. And for us. And for us. 1996, the summer of Bill. I saw this movie and like... Like Alex watching it today two times, I saw this movie and immediately was like, well, I know I'm seeing that movie a second time uh, because I loved the disaster genre of the 1990s. The first date I ever went on, I went to see Dante's Peak, uh, the Pierce Brosnan versus the Volcano movie yep. uh, for people that don't remember. I think that this is what kept me away from it is that there were so many disaster movies that to me it became 
like it kept me away from ever like watching it from start to finish. They were like slashers for adults. Yeah, it became kind of that's beautifully said. It became a slasher for adults thing. And I knew that like clever people liked this movie. And I'm not saying you need to be clever or whatever, but like I knew that this had like a fan base of people who liked it beyond just disaster stuff or whatever. But I mm-hmm. didn't know. And now knowing that he directed uh, Speed, it, it kind of it makes a bit more sense. But like I didn't know how seamlessly this married like a really perfect disaster action movie with like a heap of layers. There's so much happening in this movie. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot happening in this movie, but there's also not. And I, I think the thing I really appreciated seeing this movie when I was younger was just like, it doesn't ask too much of you, but no. it also never feels like it's never really insulting you either. It's like, look, you came for a summer good time. Welcome to summer good time down. We do not stop. Yeah. <laughs> It's, kind of, it's a little bit like Mad Max Fury Road, too, because these fuckers never stop driving. And yeah. there's like 500 character actors and they won't stop driving. And I can't believe how fun that is. Totally. It's so nice. I do like the commitment to the road above all else. Like, regardless <laughs> of what's happening, we've got a Dodge Ram and we're riding it for all. It's worth, baby. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, sorry that your aunt, who I'm horny for, has a bloody head, but we yeah. need to get on the road. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he's got to listen to Eric Clapton in his motorhome thing that he's driving with like speakers wired to the roof. I love the technology in this movie. I do too. It is like, it's in such a sweet spot. Um, Alex, is uh, is there a McCoyle in this movie? <laughs> If you've listened to more than three episodes of this show, you know that there is a chance that Roach from People Under the Stairs shows up in the movie, Sean Whalen, and he shows up in this movie, and every time Sarah and I have an exchange to figure out if it was Roach from People Under the Stairs or a McPoyle. But the thing is that he ultimately did play McPoyle in one episode, so it becomes so he is technically a McPoyle, but not in the way that I mean when I say that. We were considering maybe doing merch that said either this movie has Roach from People Under the Stairs in it, or what was the other one that you said people would get angry about? It was a picture of Roach from People Under the Stairs, but his name was what was the name? I can't remember. But it says Rickety Cricket. Yes, but it says Rickety Cricket on it. That's whenever I see Sean Whale, and I'm like, I just know that I've seen that. That person on it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Which one is Roach from People Under the Stairs? The guy from Lost? Daniel Faraday? No, no uh, Sean Whalen. Mm. I have learned who I think is driving around paired with Alan Ruck. Yes, the whole time. And I was saying yeah, I right. also think that Alan Ruck. Sean Whalen and Philip Seymour Hoffman should have formed a traveling Wilburys like supergroup. <laughs> Absolutely. And we obviously need to get into the, and I'm sorry, I'm derailing this, but we need to get into the plot synopsis. We will get there, but Mm -hmm. I... Oh, that. No, we don't. It's fine. Oh, thank you. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Like Like any rational, reasonable person, I am familiar with Philip Seymour Hoffman's career. I have seen all of his great movies that are delivered with uh, fantastic gravity i miss him like hell as a as a person who contributed to the culture uh, like love liza i saw love liza and cringed throughout the entire movie and loved his performance and cried and all that stuff everything this is his best role that he has ever played in anything really the master get out of here this is <laughs> philip seymour hoffman's best role <laughs> I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't know he's in this movie half the time. 
Like, I feel like this is like distilled Philip Seymour Hoffman where he's just like, oh, I was just in my RV and they were like, do you want to be in a movie? We almost had Garth Brooks as the lead, but he backed out. Oh my God. I didn't know that. He's bringing like the gravity that he brings to like the Mission Impossible villain role. (laughs) I like to think that he was like, Jan, like, what should I do with this role? And he was like, what? I don't care. Figure something out. And then he did. (laughs) Go nuts. Like, I feel like the the stage direction of go nuts was really taken to heart in this movie yeah but like look let us start by simply trying to list the cast members we'll do one person per turn and we'll go around i'll start jamie gertz absolutely love it nika um uh helen hunt great job (laughs) i took such an easy one (laughs) sean whalen lois smith beautiful alan ruck Mm -hmm. oh uh what's his name from saw uh saw man john saw john tobin bell no no um, um oh carrie always, carrie always. <laughs> hold on what's his name from saw is how yeah. you're describing carrie i i mean like technically yeah <laughs> the guy from saw have you ever listened to the show before i mean yes yes i have the show is very the guy from saw oriented <laughs> The guy from Saw. Look, Car- look, look. I'm a millennial. I was born in 1988. I grew up on The Princess Bride. I love it. <laughs> However, in Saw, Carrie always saws his own foot off and then is in a clinch oh with Adam, God. the emo guy he's been feuding with the whole time. And they hold each other in their sodden T-shirts. And Carrie always says, I'm going to get... Help, if I don't find someone, I'll bleed to death. He's the guy from Saw. (laughs) This is what we're all about. He is the guy from Saw. (laughs) The one person who's in this movie that I didn't even notice until I just cheated and looked at the cast list is Anthony Rapp is in this movie. Who's Anthony Rapp? Anthony Rapp is in Rent and uh, Dazed and Confused. What if he had more scenes that were cut or something? Or I'm just like not good at spotting him, but I do love Anthony Rapp. I don't know. I feel like I would. Anthony Rapp has looked exactly the same for 30 years. I feel like we would have caught him. There's also uh, Daniel Faraday from The Island of Lost. Oh, wow. Okay. And who is he in this? He plays the guy that hides under the dashboard. Uh, because that's an effective means of hiding from a fucking tornado. When you're a tornado guy and you're like, what's the safest spot? I don't know, in my truck, things that get picked up <laughs> yeah. from tornadoes all the time. Yeah, he's that guy. This movie has like a lot of people you would recognize, but you're not exactly sure what. Like it has Patrick Fischler. It has the director of Tar. Oh, really? <laughs> Where? He's the guy with the perfectly groomed beard. All right. At one point, he like sings. He's with the woman who looks like the lesbian in a bucket hat. Oh, yes. Yes. I love bucket hat lesbian. The two of them. Yeah. Bucket hat lesbian is like the secret star of this movie because she you can tell she knows her shit. And she's like, there's too many dudes here. And I'm just like in the background. But if you guys want to talk about data, I'm fucking ready to go. I've got it's all under my bucket hat. Uh, And he's the guy that travels with bucket hat lesbian. That's the director of Tar. I figured this out last night at like 11 p.m. This is incredible. Do you think when he was directing Tar, he was like, he ever called his old Bucket Hat co-star and was like, boy, remember the simpler times when we were pretending to be tornado chasers? When he's like at craft services and he's like, you know, when we made Twister, uh, and everybody's like, yeah, 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 you went to Canada for an afternoon and filmed Twister. Congratulations. Amazing. Sarah, yeah, Sarah, before yes. we go any further, we should get into Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Winnebago. We should mm-hmm. crank some Clapton. Ugh. 
and you yeah it's the worst like that's the worst way to get me into a winnebago outside of just like hey do you want to come see my knives like that's the second worst <laughs> when are we get in the winnebago and you take us on a little tour of twister so we know what we're talking about those scratches will buff right out um okay <laughs> so what is twister about i'll tell thee so we open with tiny baby helen hunt waking up the night uh, the giant twister rips through her house. Her parents take her down to the tornado cellar. And I sometimes take notes for these movies. And sometimes I take a ton of notes. And sometimes I take only a few. And this time, all I wrote down was Rusty Schwimmer. And <laughs> she didn't marry you for your penis. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen Hunt's mom is Rusty Schwimmer, who I always love to see. I think she was also in the worst Friday the 13th movie, the one with those tongues. And so her dad gets blown away by the tornado. He's holding the storm door down and I guess rips him away and he gets pulled into the tornado. And so in a very Quint-like fashion, she dedicates her life to studying tornadoes and trying to conduct research to build better models of tornadoes so that there can be warnings for them earlier so that fewer daddies can get sucked into the heavens. Into the suck zone. <laughs> she doesn't want more dads to be taken to the suck zone. <laughs> fewer daddies enter the suck zone. <laughs> you know, if you can make yourself laugh, it's it's all going to be okay. Guys, yeah. Phil <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman cannot stop talking about the suck zone. <laughs> That's how he flirts. He's, fr he's probably a refugee from academia. Nobody ever learns how to do it there. And so cut to the present day, 1996. Helen Hunt, the grown-up storm chaser, was married to Bill Paxton, and they were a badass storm-chasing couple. And they led these ragtag group of, like, they kind of have Ghostbuster vibes. Mm -hmm. They have, like, how many people are in their posse? Like, Eight. Yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, three to ten. Yeah. It's a giant group of people we're asking to be paid. This is like the warriors. <laughs> and they're they, it's like a it's like a hobby that they get like grant money for, and some of them have like more of an established job within it, and some of them are just like uh you know, science nerd slash adrenaline junkies. Yes. And okay, let's try and name the members of the of the ensemble. There's Directed Tar, Bucket Hat, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, Roach. Roach from The Few Under the Stairs. <laughs> Rabbit. Rabbit. Alan Ruck's character. The shockingly straight Helen Hunt character. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's Phil Paxton. Like he's only 10 years out. He's less than 10 years out from near dark. So that's true. Vampires are gay. His iconic role as a as a badass lesbian. <laughs> Now, my question is, does Aunt Meg count as part of the crew and their dog Mose or Rose? I she's like their godmother. Yeah, she's she is. But she's not on the road with them. She's the guy in the chair. Or she's like grandpa from the boxcar children. Right. Of course. Yeah. So are there other people in the I feel like there are other people in the convoy, but like, that's pretty good. There's a ton of people. Yes. There's like superfluous people we never really meet or talk to, but you can tell like their little like ragtag circus troop that's like going from town to town doing like, they. Yeah. Feel, I feel like they do Shakespeare in the park when they're not chasing <laughs> storms. It's also funny to think that they're like 
going like 70 miles an hour around Oklahoma every day of their lives. Like, I know this is a special day because we open also with the setup that like we go to like we cut to the weather the national weather people, which I, is a device we also see in the perfect storm. And I love any movie that shows people working at some kind of like federal weather b- bureau being like, Oh shit. Here's <laughs> what we got. They're like, there's going to be like a dozen tornadoes today. Kind of the perfect activity for a couple about to get divorced, but who really shouldn't. So that's some of our convoy. It's really fun. Bill Paxton finds Helen Hunt at work just like setting up to go storm chasing and he's like I've gone straight I'm wearing a blazer and I'm gonna be a TV weatherman and I'm gonna marry Jamie Gertz he just needs Helen Hunt to sign the divorce papers and it's kind of this great like paper chase situation where she's like all right I'll sign these in a minute and then like a tornado comes and they have to start chasing storms and really to just like break it down to the essence they just have to keep chasing storms for the whole movie they can't get under 50 miles per hour or the bus will explode (laughs) they're chasing storms really they're chasing each other right (laughs) right and like speed an unlikely couple being Mm -hmm. these two people who are on the razor's edge of getting divorced and have already Mm -hmm. made the decision find love with each other in the end yeah and they love tornadoes and i also like Let's take a moment to appreciate that Helen Hunt was on a weekly sitcom in the 90s. A weekly sitcom. Poor, what's his name? Paul Reiser. Yeah, I love Paul Reiser. Why poor Paul Reiser? Well, they had to pause filming Mad About You so she could make Twister. So, and oh, they were oh like, did they? they were, this movie was supposed to be like an in and out, like done really quick, and it, the shooting ran long. Why did they think they could do Twister quickly? That's nuts. <laughs> they drive a truck through a house. Best scene in the movie, which is, <laughs> yeah, this best scene, one of the best scenes in the movie. But like, yeah, they were like, Definitely. oh, this will be like an in and out film. And then they had to be like, okay, well, Mad About You has to, has to wait a little bit. Aww. Paul Reiser, sit on the sidelines. Helen Hunt has to become a much bigger star than you. It's kind of great how both... Wait a minute. Both the Mad About You principles were in like summer action movies with Bill Paxton in them. But was Bill Paxton ever <laughs> yeah, in Mad true. About You? That's true. I hope so. Yeah. What's funny about Twister, I guess, as a 90s movie is that it's like made during this period of relative domestic stability, but it's like predicting what climate change is yes. going to do to more and more of us. Totally. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things I, there are so many parallels about like this happens in this movie and it also happens in this other format in this other movie. But I was really taken with the parallels that are occurring on screen because we see the shining happening at the, um, at the drive-in. There are two characters in this movie named Stanley and Kubrick. I think they're both like background characters. So like, obviously That's really cute. But, like, super cute. I see what you did there, Jan. You get it. But like, also I have to reconcile like, or do something about or get under control the evil chaotic force that took my father away from me is like the exact plot of Dr. Sleep start to finish. So like I also, (laughs) we couldn't know that then because it wasn't a book yet or a movie yet, but I I did enjoy that. Well, maybe Stephen King watched Twister and he was like, hmm. (laughs) But I love, I also just like love the, I know that that we're sort of getting back into tangents, but the, I love 
the shining piece on screen because we get two nods to what's happening in the movie with seeing the evil twins and then the twister comes through and tears the screen down while Jack the father is trying to like kill Wendy mm-hmm. it's such an iconic moment like that moment like if I go 10 years without watching that movie if I think if I see the word twister written down I can conjure that like that scene is so vivid and it's so like I was thinking this last night when I was watching this movie because like Lish, my partner, was away. She was rehearsing with her band and I was at home alone and I was watching the movie and the the opening scene, the opening scene of this movie is terrifying it's terrifying with that tornado yeah. coming in and everybody's rushing and it's heightened and you don't know if the dog's gonna make it and i think you watch that dad be pulled straight into the sky it's really <laughs> it really goes there it's like yeah we're not fucking around yeah <laughs> really like bowie our dog is like lying on the floor is like no you need to come up on the couch with me and reassure me you're not gonna get yeah. torn into a tornado like it's terrifying and sad do they have twisters in in toronto ever i've, I've never seen the suck zone enter toronto even once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people maybe don't like when we when people talk about Twister. I don't think it gets enough credit for being legitimately terror. Like it, like I saw this in the theater mm-hmm. and it was big and loud. And like when you didn't know special effects could look like special effects do now, this movie was terrifying. And like watching it on my TV at home even last night was like fuck, this is scary. Like because a tornado is doesn't have a there's no purpose. Like you know the whole idea of like I'm gonna mm-hmm. go for the guy that killed my dad. You know like talking Princess Bride. You could be looking for the six fingered man. Wow. Oh, it is yeah she's doing a princess bride yeah but she kind of as you wish she's going after him but like a tornado just has no soul or like motive it's just there to destroy and there's like some, yeah. there's something legitimately terrifying about that it's a lot like the shark in jaws well that's exactly like bill pax pull pax whatever the bill is in this movie. i always get the paxton. two confused paxton yeah. he says like later in his life before he died he would t- talk about twister and he said mm-hmm. a lot that this movie to him was like the pepsi light version of jaws where he was like we could have <laughs> made it more like jaws and we made the pepsi light version because not a lot of people die other than the guy from wayne's world that's driving around with Kara ellis who gets impaled by a thing it's true i could have really had more casualties you really think aunt meg is uh being set up to die and then she's like no i'm fine just a little concussion where's my where's my car i'll drive myself away and she's like I'll, I'll just hop in the winnebago and drive away and they're like your car's in a tree seems very oklahoma just like i'll drive myself to the hospital I, I think i really appreciate about this movie and it was a thing i was thinking about a lot is that it does this interesting th- contrast with his future ex-wife not even they, they don't even get married but she's like you know she's uh she's from the city she's always on a cell phone at the time a cell phone in the 90s was really a signature of class and wealth right Like if you were of a certain, like if you were upper middle class, you had a cell phone. Like people didn't carry a cell phone in 1996. The hero of this movie, they're working class people. They are rural. They are in the rural setting. None of it is treated as a joke. None of it is like looked down on. Like So there was a lot of stuff in the 90s that was this real class warfare stuff of like working class people are portrayed as one way and the city folk are portrayed as another. And this movie does a really interesting thing of not ever really making, even like Carrie Alwes, who's like, he's the guy that got the money or whatever he's like he's a jerk but he's not the villain necessarily and like it's everybody true. is given this really subtle nuance and the thing i really appreciated was how much that's like a small town in oklahoma which so easily now if you put that in a movie you could so easily write it off right it's like right. Mm-hmm. being this terrible place that's a red state or whatever but it's given so much character and humanity and the people are made really real mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and i think it it heightens all the emotions in the movie when you're like right 
they care about these people because they feel real. Yeah, it's never a joke. Yeah, it's never a joke. And like a tornado ripping through this drive through and destroying everybody's having a good time. Yeah. You know, like you feel for all these people huddled together in mechanics garage because it's like the, the the working class and the rural people, you get a sense of like, right, these none of these people are wealthy or well off, but they're alive and they deserve to be here. And like, I don't know. It's a thing. It's it, it is a thing I thought about a lot while I was watching this movie with like 2023 brain was like, wow, they really can't believe how much of these people are granted so much humanity. Mm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, I'm not trying to bring it back. I'm just curious just to figure out where to go in the conversation. Is there anything we want to say mm -hmm. more about plot synopsis before jumping off in a bigger way? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll do the ending, I guess. And okay, and so the overarching plot is that Bill Paxton has designed this thing called the Dorothy which is like this container thing that you get sucked up into a tornado and then it releases all these balls that have like sensors in them. Bill Paxton has to get his balls in the tornado in this movie. And Helen Hunt also has to get her balls in the tornado. And they just want to put their balls together in the tornado. I just have to reiterate that they want to put their balls in the sock zone. <laughs> They need, there's a need. They need to. By the end of this movie, they will put all their balls together in the sex zone. Just a, just a bunch of adults talking about the sex zone and losing their goddamn minds. I love this job. We're doing what, we need to, what needs to be done. So, yeah, so they have to get their balls into the tornado. And at the end of the movie, they do. And there's all this, this insane scene. Because, like, they're trying to sign the papers. They have to start storm chasing. And then they can't stop. And so, like, Jamie Gertz, Bill Paxton's current fiance, is, like, also in a comedy beat, is a therapist. Because in the 90s, we had discovered that therapy existed, but not boundaries. So she's taking calls <laughs> from her client and his wife. Because oh they're, gosh. like, she's a reproductive couples counselor thing i guess um and she's taking all these calls while they're driving around in a tornado which is yeah i think meant to you know it's look it's a fun movie i'm not going to complain about jamie gertz's portrayal but i feel like it's meant to make her look dumb as a like yuppie career woman you know where it's like she can't stop answering her cell phone although the characters in and just like that season two have similar <laughs> phone etiquette none of them have heard of do not disturb or declining a call it's like they're under a spell i think that this character is very interesting mm. because they unexpectedly get in this situation where they're chasing this twister. Not all th these twisters. Not only does that happen, she, in doing that, experiences her husband's past life that she's never encountered. He does not mm -hmm. talk about it in any way. We mm -hmm. have gotten the sense that he maybe should go to therapy. They they treat therapy as like a real enough thing that they're like, Bill Paxton, you should go, you should have gone to therapy. Mm -hmm. So we get we get some of that. But like when she sees him in his context and realizes how like not real the person who she knows now who's like just kind of like all these mm -hmm. artifices uh, built all over who he used to be she's just like you're in love with her and that's mm -hmm. cool and i totally see it and i'm out. and you're in love with roach and alan ruck and everybody else and, and nico made the really fantastic point of like Yes, like kind of like graceful offboarding, but like that character, we didn't necessarily need this woman to create the circumstances in which Bill Paxton gets reintroduced. Like it could have been any other reason why he was going to go get the divorce, not the, the proverbial divorce papers in this case. I had pitched the 
he's going back to get all of his his, his CDs that he's left at Helen Hunt's house. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, he needs a, a tape back from her. He needs his Kathy Matea tape. I use it, Kathy Matea. <laughs> that's a great one. You know, right before I left Nashville, the first time I was supposed to interview Kathy Matea, and I'm sad really? that the opportunity never came through. But yeah, I like this character because like therapy is presented as like to Nico's point, like it's like kind of a class thing. The cell phone thing is is definitely a class thing. If this person is like wearing this white suit that you're anticipating is going to get like drenched in mud at some point, which is a motif that we see in the show a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but it never quite goes there while like the character still has like a bit of depth in a way where she could have been much more of a punchline that I'm actually a little surprised that they showed restraint on. Totally. They really do like they give her that final like her exit moment where she like because she sees like she sees and I, it, there's a there's the moment where the first time they kind of get fucked up in the in the truck by a tornado and Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt get out and he's like he puts his arm around her and they like, kind of touches her on the small of the back and they have this like I mean, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton have this like incredible chemistry that he does not have with this woman he's apparently going to marry. And (laughs) she sees that, like, and you see her sort of witness this. And like, A, my new theory is that she's not real. I think that she's an angel. uh, (laughs) He's a co-worker of John Travolta's and Michael. Yes. 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 Yeah, I believe that read 100%. Yeah. She's there to deliver him. Like, she's there to help him learn a lesson. She's the angel in uh, the Jimmy Stewart movie. She's Clarence. Yeah, she's the Clarence. Like, she kind of just, like, she's there to help him realize the lesson that he clearly knew all along, but he can't vocalize it because he has not gone to therapy. Even though when he says that his wife, his future wife is a therapist, Helen Hunt gives him a look and he says, not mine. And there's this sort of weird exchange between the two of them when it's like clearly you both need fucking therapy your dad was killed by a tornado and you're like you know what i'm gonna do fight tornadoes <laughs> <laughs> and you never once were like you know who could help me with this a licensed therapist no, she just has to defeat tornadoes and then she'll be fine that's how that yeah. works she just has to punch god you know <laughs> If I can defeat God, my mental health problems will all be solved. This is a common battle. Look, it's a foolproof plan, Nico. I don't know why you're punching holes in this. You did make a great point when we were texting about this, Nico, that like the 90s representation of therapy didn't do our generation any favors about being like open and willing to go to therapy. Like we're much better off than many because like there is a willingness. There's a conversation now. But for a long time, it was like, you know, do I really want to go to this person, pay them like two? $250 at the time, which would have been like a grand play with their big, you know, oversized props and hear about how my mom is evil. Like, you know, well, they, they play the people like the people that are played for jokes and her job as a therapist or the people calling her to yes, like, for therapy. Yes, like, hey, yes. like, there's like the guy that's like, did she marry you? Sarah, you made the, you, you referenced the line at the very beginning. Like she didn't marry you for your penis. Well, she mm-hmm. kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like, so the people that are engaging in therapy, they're treated as the ones that are jokes. And like, this was a recurring theme in the 90s this is why i have i had an undiagnosed anxiety and depression disorder until much later in life is because you were you viewed going to therapy as a weakness or a joke or something mm-hmm. you did you know like if you were a failure yeah and she represents nothing bad necessarily like what she represents is the most glaring sign that bill pullman has done a thing that i have done in the past which is 
like I'm feeling like a little freaked out about how insecure my life is set up right now. I guess I should go through the motions of being a grown up. And then suddenly you're like, uh oh, <laughs> I made some of the wrong choices. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> <It's>, yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, but she's not necessarily doing anything bad. She's just representing to everybody there. She's never a full person. She's a representation of right. ideas, right? She's the representation yeah. that he has hidden his old life and changed himself. Now he's a guy that wears button downs and and like insensible shoes whereas before he got drunk and threw a whiskey bottle at a fucking tornado well and that could have also been handled by him just being because like we get it in two parts we get it in his relationship with her and the fact that he's become a like a on-screen meteorologist or something like that like mm -hmm. yeah. and i think that like that one would have been enough like him getting the wrong job to represent but you know but she is not a joke she's just not fully conceived <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just not like, she has agency, but just enough. And she has a reason to be there, but just enough. And in fact, she's only there to really deliver that speech that she gives him when she says, I'm, I know my way home, which yeah. is like, she very yeah. clearly can see because multiple times she has forced to either witness or listen to the fact that her future potential husband has a much stronger relationship with his ex-wife than he does with her. And like, that's got to be a emotionally devastating for her. Like, imagine leaving that trip and be like, look, I'm glad that he found the tornado that he loves. Also... <laughs> fuck that guy because like look yeah, yeah. if you've been in enough relationships in your life you have been in this situation oh, where you're for like, sure. clearly we don't work it still fucking sucks that I had to Definitely. witness yes. it happen in front of me and also hear him on like a, in a hot mic situation there's this crazy oh, scene yeah. where she like hears oh, him confessing that he still loves Helen Hunt because they're all on walkie talkies the whole movie and they like haven't turned theirs off Ugh. The telecommunications, the walkie-talkie technology they have at their disposal is better than my cell phone in 2023. Like, a clear signal regardless of situation. That and their ability to visualize data. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I love this movie so much. I would be, you know, I all of this stuff said about sort of the, you know, the flaws in the representation of the character, what's gotten right, what's gotten wrong. She delivers the best line in the entire movie, as far as I'm concerned, outside of literally everything that Philip Seymour Hoffman says, which is when you said you chase tornadoes, I always thought it was a metaphor. Yeah. I laughed out loud. I went back and watched it again. I watched the movie a second time, laughed again. I Tremendous. It's so great. I, yeah. I, let's also, I want to talk about the CGI in this movie for a minute because it's like, it's so of its time and I feel like we were so excited about being able to do it. And now it's to me very charming to look back on how incredibly smooth and bad it all looks. You mean like the tree coming their way when they're in the truck and the trees sort of. And like, like the cow and like oh, the sure, yeah. Carrie Elways is the guy from Saw's car exploding, which feels like an explosion <laughs> that they ran out of time while they were animating. The MS paint explosion. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around it because like in, you know, for years I ran a video production company and just seeing like even now with like the tech that we have now outside of now now like kind of like ai can do a lot of the harder sort of tedious detail work but until very very recently like 25 to 30 years after this movie came out just like taking something that's in a scene out of the scene is very hard mm -hmm. and to see it in this movie to be like we're gonna like make a cow swirl around in a tornado it's like i think that there's a part of me now that watches it and like 
I just kind of acknowledge it as like 90s CGI and it like feels like mm-hmm. it's part of like the texture of the decade. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like you guys did it. That must have been really fucking fun for you. It was a big deal. I feel like it was on the news. Deal. And I think it probably <laughs> yeah, was. It was. And I think the thing that this this movie feels at home with Jumanji. Yeah. Where yeah. like. 90% of the the special effects are still practical effects like the house sort of crumpling i remember is like as a giant giant special is a giant practical effect yeah. but they like peppered it with cgi whereas like there were movies at this time like the relic i remember the relic right. was like 100% creature uh, computer effects bad very bad right <laughs> when does jurassic park come out 93 that's 93 right and that is also mostly practical effects and mm-hmm. and puppets and stuff and like yeah it is like that is i mean it's I never thought of it before because it was just something that true that was true until it wasn't that you would do everything practically except for these things that like you really couldn't do that way. And like Titanic <laughs> is still like the record for the largest set built for a movie or something like that because they built a pretty large portion of the Titanic because they just had to. There was no <laughs> way to fake it at the time. And I don't even know how you would do that now, really. Yeah. Well, a lot of that stuff you can do now, I've I've seen these walls, which are incredible, is, you know, they have essentially, you know, your TV now is like in like a 4K TV or an 8K TV if you if you have more K than you need. Um, like now they have like, you know, like 12 or 16K walls where mm-hmm. in a studio you have like walls like that that are like stories high and you can essentially like put in the actual background of wherever you're at, like on a screen, God. which is why Marvel movies in theory look spectacular and then also feel flat as hell right because it's flat (laughs) i was thinking about this a lot when i was watching this too because like the last movie i watched was like a much bigger you know special effects sort of laden thing and then i watched this and like you know you really get the sense of like right we've advanced our special effects technology and our cgi and all this shit but we've kind of stopped storytelling and i read a review of the newest indiana jones movie that i haven't even seen yet but the Mm -hmm. complaint in the review was that they do a lot of telling not showing and Mm -hmm. it's like right we've developed all this technology now well he's fucking 85 years old how much are you supposed to be shown i bet he comes in and he's like that was a really exciting car chase i was just in i was jumping all over those jeeps you just have to believe me i guess you didn't see it i would love that movie by the way someone needs to take this idea where it's an action movie where you never see a sing- a lick of action where it's always just like a guy being like and then me and my friends we kicked a guy and he fell off a roof <laughs> But this movie also like tells and shows in equal measure, but it's just mm-hmm. like the CGI is never the focus and the story mm-hmm. is never this so much the focus. It's like these sort of things working in tandem with each other and they're never quite at balance, but they're trying to find that balance. And this was the thing that happened a lot in these movies in the 90s is practical effects and whatnot got better and better. But now mm-hmm. so much of the focus is the showing and it's not in the telling. And like, I don't need to see everything in an Indiana Jones movie. If you tell me that, look, look, if I find out that Marion Ravenwood is doing whatever off screen, I don't need mm-hmm. to see 27 minutes of Marion Ravenwood Ravenwood's backstory again off screen. You can just tell me that shit happened. And like Mm -hmm. so much of this movie is just like giving the audience credit that they can pick up on the whatever history and backstory and stuff that isn't there. Like if you never showed that tornado in the beginning, I would still get it if you referenced it in half a second of dialogue. You know what I mean? Totally. But you know what that, what I was thinking about that that does really well because I just recently watched, Sarah and I saw The Evil Dead Rise in the theater and we were both maybe slightly out of our heads to see a movie and I could not remember seeing The Evil Dead Rise very well. But like the, um, 
we watched it. I remember it. random <laughs> aspects of it. It's kind of it's the least I've ever remembered a movie that I technically saw the year it came out. I read the Wikipedia plot, and that movie sounds bananas. And the fact that you don't remember all of it is like that's wow. Well, it was proven to me how much I didn't remember by rewatching it again. Loving mm-hmm. it. I loved oh, this nice. movie. Oh, nice. Loved that it. Movie oh, sounds my God. Terrifying. Loved terrifying. it. But like terrifying. the thing that it does really well that this movie does too is it has this like until later on in the movie, this seemingly disjointed two minutes at the beginning of the movie that illustrates mm-hmm. how scary the things we're eventually going to run into are. So mm-hmm. that like you kind of know that things are going to happen, but you see, you know, you 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 see whatever the deadites do deadite right. things. And then you're like, OK, that's where we're going. But like, how does this relate or whatever? The thing that I love about seeing the Twister, the beginning of the movie, outside of the fact that it's relevant for setting up uh, Helen Hunt's arc is it's like you see the monster fucking kill someone uh, like 90 seconds into the movie mm-hmm. which reminds you up front like what you're up against this entire time it's just you know and you see it in a lot of slasher movies a lot of horror movies um and i would argue they even kind of did the same thing in the the first episode of the new season of Ink, just like that where they have every character that we know walk smiling into her bedroom and like start fucking somebody <laughs> Being like, this is what the show will be about. And (laughs) we can only hope. (laughs) Yeah. If y'all are wondering, uh, by the time this is out, we will soon have an in just like that bonus episode coming out. So that's, you know, (laughs) these are all teases for you. (laughs) So that's good news. So what's Twister about? Um, Oh, yeah. The the opening prelude, Daddy gets sucked into the sex zone thing. Right. We get it's like it's I think the construction of it is really beautiful. And I would also submit that you can really see the influence of this and speed in Titanic, which Mm -hmm. similarly, and like not to get too sort of speculative about it. But I look at these couples that like, respect each other and are having an adventure the whole time. And I feel like that's like the aspirational couple of the 90s and that we were representing both our future in terms of what relationships would kind of require for all of us, which is dodging existential threats every five minutes um, and also understanding that that requires equality as you're, you know, because like I love that Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are equally competent in this movie. Like when you think about it, you don't see that very much in a, a straight action movie right well we get the it's not even commentary but we get at the very end when it's just now it's just immediately assumed that they're going to keep working together in the same capacity that they did before and they're trying to figure out which side of like kind of like the research and lab and and grant stuff that they're going to be doing which requires like an equal amount of competence across the board and they're just like arguing about which side of it they want to be on and yes i I, that's not like are you gonna be the fucking secretary and i'm gonna do all the work it's like they're trying to figure out how to like split the academic labor which is really incredible Mm -hmm. twister lets you imagine a world where two tops can be in a relationship and work together basically like yeah. we're, seeing two, we're seeing two tops in action and we're seeing what that looks like and honestly like it's a real case for more top for top relationships because they really uh, make it work how does that how does their sexuality or are they in a thruple with the tornado as well i would also add that you know i mean at least the f5 you know like she's got a complicated relationship with it because it both killed her father and is her driving force yeah wow <laughs> Yeah, and I, I guess like Bill Paxton and, and um, Helen Hunt, I think are both 
actors who in the 90s felt very emblematic of like straight America. He's so ragged. She's so mad about you. But like, they both seem pretty gay. Yeah. Well, she does at least. (laughs) Well, there's also sort of the divide between like his like his city future, like not wife. You know, she's a lot more Mm -hmm. like she's a businesswoman. She's a little bit more femme. She's a little bit more this and this and that. And like, and Helen Hunt is like, you know, she's a little bit more masked. She's more rugged. Even though Aunt Meg tells her how beautiful she is while Katie Lang is playing the background. (laughs) If you ever wanted to, is there queer subtext to this movie? Maybe putting on a tank top uh, while another woman tells you how beautiful you are while Katie Lang plays in the background. Maybe dressing up like Jodie Foster while you're uh, yeah 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 like, just saying you look pretty. I also love action love stories where where the couple gets dirty or like wet. We've talked about this on the show before, but Titanic obviously incredibly wet movie, drenched, not in a fun way. <laughs> Famously, they get wet. Yeah, they split because his needs are essentially like stereotypical feminine needs. Like he needs hmm. stability. Like he needs her to like commit to like anything beyond just needing to punch God. <laughs> it's great, great phrasing. Like in that argument in the car, he's talking about like the things that like adults eventually need in order to be in a relationship together. And he's basically just like asking her to commit to him and not the tornado. Yeah. But we're, we, you also get the sense that this is the first time they've ever really communicated with each other. Yeah. And really seeing mm. that play out, I think, is also an interesting thing to do in the 90s when like open communication and being and the sort of vulnerability that they allow each other to have and being angry with each other, but also being like open to like being like open to their own failures and downfalls. Like, I don't know, there's a lot really happening in this movie in terms of like interpersonal relationships. Agreed. In a movie about a fucking tornado mm-hmm. where they drive a truck through a house, the personal relationships in this, I think. The scene where everybody's talking about the different kinds of tornadoes and somebody mentions an F5 and everybody goes really silent. And mm-hmm. Bill Paxton looks up because he knows that Helen Hunt is in the room above him. Yeah. I think it's such a perfect moment. Like he's acknowledging God. I love right. that. The God that killed her father. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, this poor woman that's with him, that's like, in theory, the whole time she's like, I can't wait to get done this and get married <laughs> to this man who does not want to even be in a vehicle with me right now. He's giving me to Philip Seymour Hoffman to say, you go with him. I'm going to drive with my ex-wife. We're going to talk. I hope they got together. I think there was chemistry, you know? <laughs> oh, the first time I watched this movie, I legitimately thought that they were going to get together because it just makes sense. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman's right. like, he's always that guy and he like, he plays this part so well where he's like, he's gregarious and he's, he's boundless and he's unafraid and he's all of these things. But he's also like, you can tell he's very tender and he's very, he looks Mm -hmm. after people. Like he's the guy that looks after people. He's wearing a deconstructed drug rug the entire time. Like (laughs) he has a sort of like, doofus and gallant mixed together sort of energy. Oh, he really does. And that's a better pairing for the like, if you were to write a traditional rom-com, she's the straight-laced city girl who's a therapist and owns a cell phone. And <laughs> he's a guy who looks like he's been banned from three different Grateful Dead tours, you know? Like, <laughs> I Yeah, and then we have our sitcom, Storm Chaser and The Shrink. I would watch that. I would watch. I would tune in every. T- I would tune in every Tuesday to watch Storm Chaser and The Shrink. Are you kidding me? That's the title of a great show, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I, I want to say Storm Chaser and The Shrink works so well in the show. Yet this idea of like uh, that episode is perfect, but it also is a perfect name for like a. a morning zoo program like a morning zoo <laughs> drive time rock and roll talk talk show yes <laughs> storm chaser in the, the shrink, shrink. <laughs> 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 I also wanted 
to because Alex, you talked about TBS, and I, something that occurred to me when you mentioned that is that there are so many aspects of culture that are ephemeral because they just feel like the fabric of our lives. And, um, you know, aside from the touch, the feel of cotton, and <laughs> it's easy to forget that they won't be around for forever. And I feel like one of those things for me is like the way TNT was in 2003, mm. where like, it seems to me like describing my own ankles to someone, but to someone who didn't grow up with it, it's not intuitive that you would have a show that was like four hours of the closer, a rerun <laughs> of the movie copycat starring Holly Hunter, <laughs> like a lot of twister, a lot of reruns of like the same 40 movies. The thing that works so well about Twister is if you happen upon it on TV and you were watching it halfway through, if you had never seen Twister before, within four minutes, you're caught up and you're ready to go. And you're like, yeah, fuck those tornadoes. Punch God in the face. Like the story doesn't like it doesn't need a lot, but there's a lot there. And if, if I was like coming across it and I was like, oh, there's a movie with Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton, you know, I would sit I would sit and watch this and I would be pleasantly surprised at what it's offering. And uh, I, I feel like the happening upon a movie halfway through is a thing that just doesn't happen anymore in a streaming era because so much of movie watching is like intentional watching it from beginning to end and a lot of these yeah. movies work compartmentalized like if you were to only see 27 yeah. minutes of this movie you still would see 27 minutes of this movie and we just yeah. don't do that so often anymore and somebody's not like oh I watched 17 minutes of John Wick on channel 37 last night well uh, yes yeah, I mean it, this is one of those things where it's just I had clusters of this movie in my brain and I'd never watch it. I could never have told you the reason she's chasing the storm is the reason she's chasing the storm. No idea. You had like, clusters like, that would become funnel clouds that would become <laughs> F2s. And then that guy just walks away. He says that to her and he just walks away. <laughs> one thing Twister, yeah, one thing Twister related, I, I need to make sure we say. This past couple of weeks has been an interesting one for, and we've talked about Titanic already. This has been a past, a, interesting past couple of weeks for people who are into the Titanic as there was a submersible that we all know uh, imploded and uh, killed everyone on board. Yes, as Bill Paxton himself once very presciently said, these windows are nine inches thick, and if they go, it'll be sayonara in two <laughs> microseconds. And it was. Exactly, exactly as it was. And this was an important week because also bringing all of those things that you just said together, this was a week in which so many people learned for the first time that James Cameron on 9-11 was in the submersible checking out the Titanic. And that's not the most interesting part of the story as far as I'm concerned. What the most interesting part is, is when he came back up from the water, he was greeted by Bill Paxton, who was the person who told James Cameron that 9-11 happened. Bill Paxton informed James Cameron <laughs> of 9-11. Wow. Wow. What other Twister things do we need to say? <laughs> I just love this movie. And it's one of those things, there's all this 90s ephemera that I think people will like write off or they'll be like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's fun, but in a jokey way. And I mm -hmm. think this is one of those 90s movies that is like, it's a movie about a fucking tornado and we stopped making disaster movies after 9-11. There was like a very concerted mm. thing where like in a post 9-11 world, we're like, we don't make movies where uh, the villain is mother nature, even though post 9-11, yeah. we should have really done that more. Right. But of all the mother nature is the real villain here, this twister is really the most realized and full movie. Yes. Yeah, I guess. And it's, it's interesting to me how like the 70s were a big disaster movie time. So were the mm. 90s. I'm sure that there's very, you know, partly I guess that there's kind of trends and cycles in media, but partly also whatever was going on that made that 
makes sense for us. And I, I love that they're a way that a form that we found that allowed us to think about relationships and exploring love and our commitment to each other and how most of these stories come down to like the American family slash couple versus indifferent nature and the elements. Is the thing that makes this work like up against the other 90s disaster movies, and I'm not even just counting nature movies, I'm counting like like Armageddon, like I'm counting like a bad deep thing impact. is happening, whatever, deep impact, yeah, yeah, volcano, et cetera. Like is the thing that makes this work the fact that like it is a disaster movie and that like disasters happen, but it's like about, it's about storms that really happen. And like those yeah. are kind of just like, we have the human drama along the way, but the drama feels rooted yeah. in a reality. Whereas like And it's not a tragedy with mass casualties either. Yeah. I don't even know what yeah. the drama in Armageddon is. I can't I mean outside of like we're all gonna die, but like I can't I don't know what the human drama is. It's about how we're all gonna die unless Bruce Willis sacrifices himself and then it's like there's a love triangle between Bruce Willis and her daughter and her boyfriend. His yeah. daughter and her boyfriend. It's about drilling holes for thirty years, you know? <laughs> It's about the suck zone. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> you're either a movie about the suck zone or you're nothing. Or you're about Pound Town. That movie's about Pound Town because that <laughs> just it is drilling down. I would say Twister is a disaster movie, but is also like I would say like the relationship within it is also a disaster. And I think mm. that is the <laughs> thing that it does really well. That a lot of those like other movies, like your Deep Impact, your Dante's Peak, or whatever, is none of them have the same like Dante's Peak is like a you know guy meets girl and they like their relationship starts to form. But I feel like paralleling the disaster and rebuilding of the relationship between Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt being mirrored by the destructive nature of Tornado, I think makes it a lot more interesting and compelling because mm -hmm. these two things are sort of like mirrors of each other in these really weird and off ways and maybe I'm reading more into it than is ever intended but like this it is an interesting and compelling thing about this movie is it is is about rebuilding and learning to move forward like when mm -hmm. when what's her name says I know my way home and go to her and she does that whole thing like she is really able to see like you need to be able to see this thing through if you're going to rebuild yourself and actually move forward because she's a therapist and she right. knows what people need in order to make themselves healthy and and like they need this closure in order to rebuild and closure like in like she signs the divorce papers just before they start to really rebuild their relationship because they need that closure before they can move on. And then, hmm. you know, Dorothy sucks up or like the, the tornado sucks up a couple of their revamped balls with wings on them. When you put wings on your balls is really when things take <laughs> off. That's what this movie is really about. And it's literally grounded in so many ways too. And that it's like storms. We know st like storms are real. Like we know about storms. Yeah. They're real. And then the whole way they fight storms to Sarah's terrific points at the front end, not unlike speed is you're, they're just in a car, like the whole time they're in cars so that they can have conversations about their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's like black box theater you know? <laughs> it's about how we talk to each other i also like much like jurassic park the other only the only other really good michael Crichton property uh this movie is about the terrifying power of, of nature and the folly of human error wherein carrie always only demise comes from him being thinking that he's stronger or better than nature itself and that is the thing that yeah. kills him in the end and it is the same thing in Jurassic Park. Uh, the few people that get eaten by dinosaurs, they only ever do it because they believe themselves to be better than nature somehow. Right. Ultimately, they feel themselves shielded from the forces of nature. And Carrie always suffers a fate because of the same reason. Because hmm. he's a corporate suck ass. <laughs> that too. So, Alex. Yes. 
We know Helen Hunt's dad got pulled up into the suck zone. <laughs> but who's the daddy? Um, Lois Smith mm-hmm. as Meg Green. We haven't talked much about Meg, uh, although we, d- we did ask the question about like what her role is in the relationship of everybody. But I love the first time I ever saw and understood who Lois Smith was, although I saw her in Five Easy Pieces, etc. before. Mm-hmm. But the first time I really saw her and she got me was in Minority Report, which you've referenced as a movie at least a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And she has a wonderfully bizarre on state on screen kiss with Tom Cruise and I loved it like it did a strange thing to me as a like 20 year old or 21 year old or whatever I was at that time and I loved it and I love her in this movie she's wonderful and warm and almost like salt of the earth stately and she's uh, uh, gorgeous and lovely. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is really into her in a way that I really enjoy. She makes steaks for everybody because she uh, she slaughters her cows. And her cows are made entirely of steak. Yes, they're made fully of steak. <laughs> and she looks like a person. She has just like this like knowing glean that makes it look like she just did enough mushrooms to touch God. Like that's what she yes. looks like she's up to all the time. And I adore her. And, and you showed me pictures of her in Five Easy Pieces earlier. And she's just always been terrific <laughs> she's so great and she has so much chemistry in, in five easy pieces with jack nicholson which is unfortunate because he is playing her brother <laughs> it, to, and to the only point i just want to make about her character in the movie although i stand by all the things i said about uh the actress is you know and this goes along with us figuring out like what her role is in this group i imagine that this is a group of people who the people who are older than them in their lives are constantly telling them to get real jobs and have like focuses mm-hmm. that aren't nuts. And mm-hmm. she is feeding them steak and giving them a place to hang. Uh, yes. And I not only have just had I've so valued those people in my life, like I hope I'm committed to continue being that person for people who are younger than me now. So I, I, mm-hmm. I love her. Good. Nico, who's your daddy? Helen Hunt. All right. Mm-hmm. Of the two tops in the lead. Also, by the way, this is just a really good movie for bisexuals because you really get a good choice out of both Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Who are both variants. They're both just different kinds of lesbians in this movie. Yeah, they yeah, are definitely. lesbians. That's yeah. for sure. And the tornado <laughs> is obviously also a lesbian. <laughs> Yeah. I like this idea that the hell the, the, the tornado is the thruple in their relationship. That's perfect. <laughs> Sarah is your daddy. Bucket hat. <laughs> Fucking hat lesbian. She knows that data. I yeah, and I just and I love the ensemble so much. I love movies that let you be part of this like ragtag group of friends. I love that as we zoom out on the final shot where Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are kissing, we like see what everyone else is doing, including two people who are playing rock, paper, scissors pretty aggressively. (laughs) And like I guess I love the whole team. I think that to me that's what sets this movie apart is just like the joy of being a part of them. And uh I just want more movies that have like ensembles that we have no reason but to love and that have roach from the people under the stairs in them. Sarah, you say something that I didn't really think about a lot, but it does make perfect sense. Like this thing where, right, this is a group of people that all clearly like to spend time and hang out with each other and look after each other and care for each other. And mm-hmm. there's never, at any point, there's never a person created to be the villain that we're supposed to root against. They're all just there and we all want all of them to succeed. Yeah. And you almost never see that anymore because in a post 9 11 world, we always have to have this paranoia of somebody else. 
And hmm. before it was just like, no, we're all in this together. The the villain is God. The villain should always be God. It's so true. And there's not even there's I mean, there's Carrie always who's like a pain in the ass, but there, it's not like Mr. Professor Jenkins is cutting off our grant money unless we do X thing. Like, I don't yeah. think that's those are the stakes. Yeah, he's not doing like sneaky things to sabotage them. He's just like a, a prick. No, he's just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just sucks. What, uh, Nico, how should people find you? Uh, people can find me at my newsletter, uh, anxietyshark.ca. Recently, as of today, I found out was a uh, recommended publication on uh, substack.com, oh uh, which is a nice little thing that I got in my email today letting me know. Uh, you can follow me at Nico Stratus on Twitter and I guess Blue Sky um, and Instagram. I don't know. I'm, I'm my name everywhere. And that's it. That's all I do. Beautiful. Yeah. And you're the toast of Canada, and we love you so much. All right, everybody. That is it for this week's episode of You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Thank you so much to Nico for bringing this conversation about Twister uh, to all of you, to us. We had a wonderful time with Nico. Thank you to Carolyn Kendrick for editing and producing the episode. Thank you to Miranda Zickler for editing the episode. Thanks to Fresh Lesh for providing the beats that make this episode sound so sweet. We appreciate you, Lesh. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter, LOL, and Instagram. Uh, you might be able to find us on Blue Sky at some point very soon. Maybe by the time this episode is up. Who knows? Keep an eye out. Um, and I don't know what the F we're doing with threads. It's hard to tell. Again, you can find us on Patreon or Apple Podcast subscriptions. You can get bonus episodes and, you know, you just... By uh, supporting us, we're able to make this show. So you support this show, you get this show, and then you get some bonus episodes too. We really appreciate you. Thank you for making the whole thing possible. And I think that's it. That's it for this week's episode about Twister. I'm so glad that you could join us. <laughs>